You are listening to Get Real Podcast. Well, here we are live with the Get Real podcast, and we're changing things up a little bit today because you know what? That's just what we do. Dan is not in the studio with me, but he's got a different vantage point of the studio through FaceTime right now. What does the studio look like to you from that vantage point? It looks like a bright, shining light. (laughs) (laughs) Bright, shining light fishbowl, right? It does. It does. It looks like Simeon has a halo. (laughs) And yes, we do have Simeon. And for those of you who do not know who Simeon is, Simeon is my oldest son. He is sitting in the seat that I usually sit in. And I am sitting in Dan's uh, seat today, and uh, I'm feeling feeling pretty special and important. This is a I got I got to claim this chair back. Uh, th- oh no! <laughs> Don't even think about it, brother. <laughs> this is a comfortable, comfy chair. So we've got Simeon in with us today. Um, he is visiting us for the weekend. Uh, he is not at his job, which he usually works. He's got some time off. He is in the military. That's all we can talk about about that. And what's really cool is that he left for the military a year ago. And since he's been there, he's been having some really exciting revelations with the Lord. His walk with the Lord is one that's really blessed me in a lot of ways. And the way this came about is about two weeks ago, I was at work and this phrase, no effeminate Jesus kept going through my head. And Dan, that was the afternoon that you sent me a video about manliness that we're going to talk about in in one of our next podcasts that's going to tie in with this one. And then about mm, a day later, Simeon sends me a book that he's reading called Muscular Christianity. And I start reading the book. I'm like, Wow. Okay. These are the things that Dan, you and I have kind of hit upon a little bit that we've talked about. So what I'm going to do is just turn the microphone over to Simeon and let him share with us, dude, what is it that God's been showing you about being a Christian man, walking with God as a man, and some of the issues that we're facing in the church today? Well, first of all, guys, thanks for having me here. It's a real pleasure to be on the podcast today, sitting in the sitting in the hot seat, <laughs> you know. But uh, this this came to me because uh, normally every paycheck I buy two books, and I saw the book. I normally go through Amazon, and I, I I've been touching on this subject a lot in my life because obviously being in the military, the the idea of being a macho manly man, a leader, a, a, a gut slayer, whatever you want to call it. That image has always been in my head, been the goal in my life. And I saw this book because normally you don't think of muscularity and the typical male masculine traits and Christianity blending in as one. And we'll get more into that later. But I saw this book and it's by the guy who does the art of manliness. For those of you out there who knows what, who know what that is, it's by Brett and Kent McKay. I saw it, I I just had to read it, and going into it, a lot of things began to make sense. Because being in the military, if you have a guy who looks weak and feminine in front of you, the idea of following him under any leadership role is not pleasant. It's not easy. It does not fall in well subconsciously. And that can lead to tension and friction. So going into this, as I began to read it, it began to show how Jesus 
balanced both the feminine and the male side and how the church has proposed this idea and created this image of Jesus that I do not believe to be accurate for the most part. And what would you say, Simeon, is that view of Jesus that the that the church has pretty much put out there for us to believe? Too, too often in most churches, you go in, you see a nice, soft, veil pace on the window of Jesus with his arms stretched out, and they continually push the lamb, the lamb side, the savior, he who gives grace, he who accepts all, he, he who shows unlimited love and mercy, and his grace knows no bounds. And those things are true, right? Yes, that yeah. is absolutely okay. 100% true. All of scripture supports that from beginning to end. That's the whole story, right? Right. But the other thing we forget is he's also the Jesus who leads the armies in Revelation. He's also the Jesus who put the angels in hell. He's also the Jesus that went into the temple and flipped over all the tables in holy wrath. He's also the Jesus who led a gang, who led a posse, who went from town to town with no fear of persecution from the Romans or by the church and did what they came to do. Totally different than what we are led to believe a lot today. And Simeon, when you started pointing this out to me, I started to dive a little bit deeper. And for me, Dan and I, we, we always, we, we've had some precious revelations of the Lord over the past several months. And it's not in boasting, but I am so happy to start to understand who Jesus is. It's not what society has, has pointed out to us. And a couple of the things that you said that I really want to touch upon is that there's a balance, is that he is unending mercy, grace, he heals, he comforts, he does all those things, he accepts, you know, he accepts everyone, he died for the whole world, that's what it says in John 3.16. Those things are true, but there's that other side of him, which seems perplexing to people, and for me, as I dove into this, even me in looking through the scriptures, it became a little bit more uncomfortable for me because in my mind, I had to balance out the Jesus of, you know, of, of grace, mercy, and then the one of wrath. And I, I started taking a look. And one of the things I want to talk about real quick is when he um, flipped the tables over in the temple, because that's perplexing to some people why he did that. One of the things that you have to think about is that there were several times that he went to the temple before he actually did that. Yeah. Which is really, it's like, well, why didn't he do that at first? And then you start to think about it. When you read those verses about what happened after he flipped those tables over, there were people that were healed immediately. He healed people and the children in the temple. And when we take a look at that in scripture, it's not the little kids in the temple that's one of those things that hasn't really been interpreted the best way or translated the best way in most scriptures. But that word for children is ministers, the servants, the slaves, the ones who were really looking for Messiah, seeking after Messiah. They rejoiced and they cried out. And the way they cried out was, again, something that we talk about a lot here on this podcast is with the raven's cry. It's that that crazo uh, that's talking about that in the Greek. So you have that. So there was instantly these people that were healed, saved, and they recognized, they cried out, Hosanna in the highest. This is the son of David. So you take a look at that and why Jesus didn't do that from the get-go when he first went into the temple leads to something with this, with humility. 
And really, a real man is somebody who exercises humility. It's what I would think, and Simeon, I'm sure you would agree after reading this book, that it's that balance. It's all about the balance. It's all about the balance. Because there were certain things that Jesus saw his Father's Spirit do in that temple. He obeyed what the Spirit and followed the Spirit. It's what I call catching the Spirit or or catching the wave. He did that in obedience to his Father. And that's really what true humility is. And one of the things that blessed me, Simeon, is as you brought this up, I was like, okay, so really what is humility? And in a lot of ways, we have it messed up. We think humility is being a doormat to other people. All right. Oh, well, I'm just going to let you roll all over me. And I'm a weak Christian. We get into uh, slave morality, basically, is, is what it comes down to, is that, well, I'm going to be righteous, and my, the way that I'm going to exude my righteousness is just let people steamroll over me. But really what true humility is in relation to the Lord is that's it. It's relation to the Lord. It's obeying and doing what the Father shows you to do. Can you talk about that a little bit more, Simeon? When it comes to balance and humility, that, that really hit me right there. I never thought about that when, in relation to Jesus going into the temple. But I think that's a lot of things that we forget is we get so focused on this personal relationship with Jesus is that we forget that we are also servants. We forget that we have a role to play in the kingdom. And to understand that further, you, you have to understand what it means to be a servant of Jesus because you can construe that too far. And like you say, you can be a doormat. But I don't think that's what that means at all. You go into it, um, his disciples were bold. They were yeah. not pushover guys. These were rough fishermen who, who worked hard for a living. And they were sent out into villages in groups of two and would address the whole village. You can't be a doormat and go from town to town and start trying to, to preach the good news if you're just going to get run over by people continuously. And Jesus, the way he was... In human flesh, and we have to remember that he was he was God in flesh, God in flesh appearing. He was a carpenter. Yeah. So, what would a carpenter look like in those days, Simeon? He's a rough dude. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree. Uh, he didn't look like Bob Vila. No. Dan, you remember no. Bob Vila with this old house? <laughs> yes, I sure do. Oh, okay, he was not Bob Vila. Uh, Carpentry back then, if you look at ancient Israel, okay, most of the houses in ancient Israel and the buildings were not made of wood like they are here in the United States today or in other Western cultures. They were made of stone. Uh, a, a carpenter back then was an artificer of stone as well as metal. Hmm, that'll hmm, We can talk about that. Um, but uh, that's that's what they did. So he was he was very strong. He was rough. And when you said that the other day, Simeon, I was like, okay, so if I had this guy that was just really kind of, you know, just not very um, masculine looking, uh, come up to me, all right, uh, because I, I'm into fitness, okay, I've got a military background, it kind of runs in the family. If this guy came up to me, he's like, hey, hey, just follow me. I'd be like, dude, no way. No, no thanks. As a matter of fact, that was a stumbling block to me as as I was coming to the Lord, uh, having revelation of him, and as people were sharing the gospel, it's like, yeah, I'm this military guy, and I don't want to lay down really my macho-ness to be like Ned Flanders from The Simpsons. That just really didn't appeal to me at all. But if you think about it, you got these rough guys, they see this carpenter coming, he's like, hey, follow me. Now, of course, there's the spirits bidding, and they obeyed the spirit. They did that, 
but there was something about his physical appearance, something about him that they're like, yeah, I'd follow this dude. And you and I were joking about it the other day. It's like, you know, okay, so you got the, 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 the weak kind of guy that weighs like, you know, 75 pounds with his, with his hair soaking. And then you get somebody that looks like, you know, Marco from Nightwish coming up. Hey, follow me. Who am I going to follow? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're really making good points. I'm enjoying this a whole lot because I, I hear so many different things that just get me going. And, and Glenn and I, when we were talking about this and question that we kept asking was what would you consider to be the most masculine attribute in the world? What is the most masculine thing in the world you've ever seen? And I've pondered that Glenn, what was that? Two or three weeks ago, About three weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. And I think what y'all are kind of saying and what I've felt kind of in my heart, it, it is the juxtaposition of strength and restraint. Yeah. Because it's it's one of those things that you sit there and think about, and there is this um, when Jesus said, and, and and him and John the Baptist called out the priesthood. They would see him like you know and call him right out, and that's not something you did without consequence back then. I'm sure, and they had the boldness to be able to do that, and people knew that it was right. Add moment, but one thing that I listened to this week. We, even with the symbolism of the the dove, Glenn, I know you'll get a kick out of mm-hmm. this. Um, I knew this, but I never thought about it in the context that whenever, when Jesus was represented, the one that the dove lights down on, the Holy Spirit lighting down on him. You know what I like about that example was that the haughty, the people that were showboating, the connected, the high-end people with the best seats, they were the ones that could afford the lambs. It was yeah. the common people that could take all they could do is try to get a dove. Okay. They, they, that was, if you couldn't get a lamb, you would buy, your family would buy a dove. The changers were stiffing the poor, the people that actually were probably that when Jesus said that, how hardly we know rich people that are in the kingdom, but how hardly when a rich person has all this power, all this control, they can have all the lambs. They can have it's hard for them to get into the kingdom, is what the, the Bible actually says. So when you look at the fact that, whoa, those people that Jesus, it said the it was prophesied that that what well, the zeal of God's house he ate him up. Yes. You know, he was eaten up with God's zeal. He went in there and cleaned them out like just this man on fire. And um, a man of God, I mean, he was God, you know, God right. and man, that's the the whole deal. But you know what's exciting? I, I felt more of his heartbeat. Think the majority of the people that were sitting there truly hoping in the Messiah and didn't follow the apostate priesthood, they were the poor. Yes. And when a masculine anointed, when John the Baptist went out there and did it, he was, talk about manly. Yeah. He didn't do any miracles, but everybody knew he was right on. And the, the, even the politicians and the priests feared him because the people knew that that voice, this uncompromising, masculine, anointed voice that has no regard for itself. And that's a big deal. When somebody, when a pastor stands up and they don't compromise, when, um, you know, Simeon, as, as a young man doing the things that you're doing, and, and you're like, no, man, I don't want to compromise. Jesus is important to me. And you can take some mockery. You can take that and not punch back 
it's manly restraint. So anyway, ADD all over the place. Y'all got me all. No, that's that. awesome. As a matter of fact, Dan, I was reading this morning how what the money changers were selling in the temple were the doves, and it took me to a very interesting word. I get fixated like you, Dan, on certain words. I'm like, why did they use that word? So. I did a deep dive into Strong's Concordance and was looking at the different translations of Scripture. And the word that they used that Jesus performed to get those money changers out of there is he cast them out. All right? So looking at that word in the Greek, it means to move out forcefully, almost violently. And it's the same word that's used for casting out devils. Oh, wow. It's also the same word used for casting the wicked into outer darkness into hell, that the, those that are not saved. So it's, it, it, I was like, whoa. I was like, so at the same time, you see how the demonic and how the evil just, you know, and that's where these religious systems come from. Uh, come from, yeah, it's all demons dressed up in, in different forms and dresses and frocks and things like that. He drove them out. He treated the same way that a devil is treated. When they're cast out of a person, which is which is very very powerful, and it's a very manly thing to do. And unfortunately for our listeners, you know this this one, I really want our our male listeners to key into what we're saying here. And uh, females, don't worry, we will get to you. And Dan and I will not say much. Uh, We'll have a a godly woman come in and 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 talk about the, the feminine perspective because it's all balanced. It hit me the other day. I was like, okay, I was mowing the lawn one of one of the times that you know I can just kind of zone out a little bit. And I was mowing the lawn. I was like, okay, masculinity. And then there's these caring sides of Jesus. How does this all go together? And it just, it it hit me. It's like the only way that a believer can walk as Christ walked, showing both the compassion, the care, the love and the grace, and then being men, okay, being a godly man, the only way that you can do it is by the power of the Holy Ghost. That's it. Because without the power of the Holy Ghost, I know for me, I can lean to one side or the other. And that's the way we go in the flesh as human beings. Simeon, how about for you? Yeah, when when I'm not walking with God, I I, I snap quick and I snap ugly. It's I, I'll do. I don't think about it. I really I don't feel any remorse when I do it either. So like I you know you start getting laid back down to earth and you start thinking about it. It's like, dude, I really shouldn't have done that. That was way yeah. unjustified. Yeah, way wrong. And I think, Dan, again, I think what we're doing is we're taking a blow to Gnosticism here. Okay. Absolutely. This is, yeah, yeah, we are, we are taking a blow to Gnosticism because Simeon, like his dad, likes to work out. Now, I don't do it the way I used to because I've got a few discs that are uh, slip sliding away, as Paul Simon would say back in the 70s. (laughs) Oh, that was good. That was good, wasn't it? Yeah, I just I just revealed my age. (laughs) But, um, you know, weight room, Dan, you were the same way. You were in the weight room all the time. Oh, yeah, it was like you know, eight miles, two and a half hours in the weight room. You know, it was like I overtrained and stuff. Well, it's it's one of those things, Glenn, I'm glad you brought up Gnosticism because I think about the modern world and how there is kind of a crisis to do with masculinity and even what it is anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's not being, you know, just a skillful fornicator. It's not being a gamer. It's not being, hey, look at my car and look how I can pick up girls and and look how sexually virile I am or whatever's going on that it's those things have misrepresented it. And there's a crisis going on. 
part of it is because especially in Western culture, I believe that we've been so prosperous for so long that men have been displaced somewhat because now women and children have the government that can provide for them, protect them, and and there's there's political power if you do that well. People will vote for you if you if you you know make it so you don't have to depend on your husband, sadly, or you right. don't have to depend on this. So things have changed, and men are a little bit displaced, and the Gnosticism in the church, and I would like to just call it maybe um, new law, extra biblical law whatever it is. And you and I have talked many times a lot. Of, it could be from beer drinking to have a cigar to actually showing masculine anger or mm-hmm. passion. It could be all these things. And they are considered taboo in most circles. And in many churches throughout my Christian walk, when I go into a church, I will see that, whoa, the men that are really involved, not all of them, not all of them at all, but I've been to some of them. And growing up, I was like, the men that were like regular attendees, they were all a little bit henpecked. They yeah. were all a little wimpy. They were all not, they didn't do, they didn't inspire me as a young man. And I, I remember as a young man, I met a guy that he joined the Dutch Free Forces to fight against the Nazis when he was 18 years old. He was captured, thrown in a concentration camp. He woke up on the floor. He's got an incredible testimony, which would make another podcast in itself. But this guy, he, he, <laughs> He snuck across the uh, Sahara Desert being chased by the French Foreign Legion. He spoke 12 different languages. He knew how to um, go through roadblocks and how to work with the black market for exchange rates and knew how to like do all these things. And I, I was privileged to go in the mission field with somebody like that. And it was like, wow, this guy's a man. Yeah. He was a man. And all the little taboos. I remember one time we took a youth group trip to a Central American country and we came to this beautiful waterfall. And he was so old school and just so masculine, and it, it wasn't a big deal. He was like, boys, if you want to go swimming, go. Go in your underpants. Go swimming. And there were girls on the trip with us. Uh-huh. And we were like, no, we just can't. And he was like, he could not understand how we would be wimpy to just not. It's a water hole, boys. You swim if you want to swim. And all the things that would be going through our little Baptist heads at the time that this is not acceptable. Oh, it's not right to do this. Oh, he look at him when he's uh, passing a rig around a mountain pass and he's uh, going the speed that he needs to do. I was like, whoa, it looks like he's speeding. Not that speeding is bad, <laughs> but it was like all these things. He broke the effeminate Christian mold for me. And I saw this guy that was a man that would put it all on the line that would give his life for Christ and and that amazing amount of restraint. I watched him with minister to children and to a little old lady and the people in these villages, and he was so gentle. But then he would sit there and it, it was t- if the uh, corrupt uh, soldiers were trying to get money out of us or trying to steal from us. He was a tough dude. He was bold. And, and that had a big impact. So, yeah, y'all are stirring me all up. This is good stuff. I like what you say about how masculinity in our culture is so warped and it's given rise to other things and it's why the church and society is a mess okay i want to make this clear to our 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 male listeners all right okay beating your wife is not masculine in the least bit that's cowardice all right you need need to repent okay if you do that you you need to repent all right i'm just going to call it for what it is right now that is wrong okay um, living a life of fornication, cheating on uh, your wife, uh, just doing that, 
uh, using women for whatever, that is wrong. Okay, I'm going to call it for what it is. You need to repent. Okay, that is not masculine. No, it's not. Okay, that is not masculinity at all. You have been called to be a protector. All right. That's what you've been called to as a man. And if you're a believer and you're doing that, I am. uh, No. Okay, you need to stop now. Porn is not masculine. All right. Stop it. Just put it down and be a man. All right. Taking care of your family. That's masculine. Being a priest for your family. That's masculine. Being a provider for your family. That's masculine. All right. Having having the coolest car. All right. That that's not that's not manliness. Okay. That is not your definition of manliness. Your the true definition of manliness is your submissiveness to the spirit of the Lord. Period. That's it. And when we, I want to go back to the temple. I really like that where he goes through and, and drives through. And Dan, you've probably seen these videos of these weirdos just walking into churches with cat of nine tails and, you know, screaming robbers. Okay. And it's like, uh, yeah, okay. I got it. You got to remember again that when Jesus did that, he was doing that in obedience to what the spirit was doing at that time. He was following the spirit. And you know what? It takes time as a believer to learn how to do that. I think I'm starting to understand how to do that, uh, but I'm not quite there yet. And I don't think I'll be ever 100 percent there until I'm in a glorified body. All right. But. What Jesus he did Jesus didn't just go in like oh I'm gonna display my manliness and, and just whoop things up. He did what the Father said. And you have to remember in the Bible that Jesus said, Hey, I don't do anything that my father doesn't do. If my father's not doing it, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Okay. That's manliness. That is that restraint because Jesus being the Son of God, being God incarnate, could have just blown everybody away at, at the manger. Period. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it just you know, sable round, thermite grenade, done, over. <laughs> okay, it's 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 over, folks. Okay, it's it's done. Um, but he restrained that, and he still restrains with us. And guys, all right, I really want this to. I want I want this to sink in. It's time to grow up and to be men. And here's the reason why it's time to grow up and be men. Simeon, what did Jesus do? After he was crucified, where did he go? Yeah, he went to hell. Yeah, he, he showed up, from our understanding, he showed up to hell and kicked down the gate. Yep, exactly. And uh, if you look at scriptural text, the gate has a big representative in whatever fortification you're talking about. That was the one way in and out of the city. A gate strength was representative of that city's ability and operational yes. capacity yes. from a military standpoint. Yes. And there are physical there are physical gates to hell. Yeah. All right. And not only that, but he made an open mockery of oh, Satan yeah. in hell. Okay. It was it was SmackDown, Mad Max, Thunderdome to the max. Do you do you remember those old WWE commercials where the guys kick down the door of the house and they'll just start rampaging the dude and throw him around? Yes. I, I pictured that's what that looked yeah. like. Yeah. I mean he 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 he, 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 he went to town yeah. on Satan. Uh, that's exactly what he did. And he absolutely did not go there as a sinner. Like no. um, several prosperity preachers preached that he had to be born again. And then, and I'm like, oh, you wouldn't believe. I'm not going to list names, but there's five at least that are household names, at least in the United States. And they preach that Jesus had to be born again like a sinner. That is absolute heresy. Run from it. Totally. What you're bringing up, too, think about it. There's an amazing way God uses men that are passionate. 
And passionate men are sloppy. It's so dangerous. Like if you're passionate, okay, Bathsheba's taking a, a bath. I always wonder if that was staged. You know, if she did that on purpose, you know, she mm-hmm. may have. But he was, a, you got this passionate king. He's like, oh man, he gets, he gets off. He makes a stupid decision. Peter slices off an ear. Oh God, I got it. Peter gets in the way. And God has to rebuke him. Get behind me, Satan. He was cooperating with interrupting the new covenant for yeah. revolting. Yeah. And so passionate. But God uses passionate men. And now we're in such a sensitive, effeminized society. It's so prosperous. Men have been so supplanted. And what happens is that when somebody is passionate, it, that, that is the most offensive thing that you can do in Christianity these days. That if you want to like have people look at you, be passionate about your faith. When you preach, use passion and conviction. When you witness, you really do mean it. When somebody challenges you on something, but it's that the beauty, like I said, of that restraint of being able to be bold and strong and then restrain and sensitive to the spirit. And you nailed it, Glenn, when you were talking about obeying what the Spirit of God said. So you don't go in there and rip the temple apart unless God really, you know that you're in humility, you're grounded. God is saying for me to do something. And that's what men do. When something ugly needs to be done, when somebody needs to say something that, Glenn, you and I have been in a situation where we rightfully expose something publicly. Yes. I really believe I wouldn't take that back at all. Not at all. No. When we did that, we knew some truth. Mm Mm-hmm. And they were lying to a whole group of Christians. Yes. And when we got there and told them, when you speak that, everybody hated us and wanted to string us up. They and did. It's like, okay, well, I can deal with it. And and that's being, it's being manly. So Simeon and Dan, this is something that I want to get back to. And I want to go back to the blowing into the doors of Gnosticism and the mission of what a man is. We, we've got so much stirring on here. I'm just really excited about this. This is, this is probably going to blossom into about four or five other podcasts somewhere down the future because this is really stirring and I think it's really important. And I want to start again by saying the reason why our society, the reason why the world and the reason why the church is an absolute mess is because men are not being men. Let's just face it. Okay. Put the porn down. All right. Stop beating your wife. Stop doing that. Treat. Stop treating your wife like garbage and start submitting to the Lord. And I'm not saying Okay, go and submit yourself to some cultic pastor or anything like that. All right. You might need to spend some time outside of the church for a while to listen to see what God is really saying, because, yes, it is okay to spend time away from church, because let's think of it this way. When the Apostle Paul, when he was converted on the road to Damascus, it was three years before he went to Jerusalem and talked to any of the any of the uh, original apostles. All right. So there's that being said. So sorry, guys who need to fill up the offering plate this week. Um, It might be good for some men to take a break and really seek the Lord instead of just listening to what you have to say. So (laughs) putting that aside, Simeon, I just saw the light bulb come on. Think, Think about who Jesus, the Lord, after he rose into heaven, chose to be one of the chief disciples to write most of the books of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. Yeah. What did he do before he was saved? He was a zealous, messy persecutor of the church. He killed men, women, and children, right? Yeah. No, Because he had such passion for what he believed in. Yes. Think about that. You're right. The guy who wrote most of the New Testament that the church claims to found most of its beliefs on, that says the warlike Jesus is no longer necessary of the Old Testament, he chose 
the most warlike person he could find at the time. I never thought of it that way. That just hit me. Wow. Wow. And then you look at what the Apostle Paul went through during his ministry. It wasn't easy. And that's the other lie of the church today is that, okay, you're going to get saved. And guess what? Your life is all going to be rainbows and unicorns now. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. You've entered into a war. All right. And here's what the war and here's what the mission is. This is what it all boils down to. It's the souls of men and women. Okay, let's get down to it. This is the Get Real Podcast. We're going to put it down here. People who are not saved, people who are lost, are going to go to a real hell when they die. All right? And it's not just this dark place. Hell is a place. The lake of fire is a place that was created for the devil and his angels. It was not created for the human soul. It was not created for us. But because we are fallen, because we are sinful, okay, and without the blood of Jesus, That is where we have to go because our flesh and our fallen soul cannot stand before a holy, passionate, and zealous God. It just can't. You want to hear something really controversial? Yeah. There's no purgatory either. That's true. There is no. Don't. People get so lost in that. Yeah. Because they get so focused on the loving side. They're like, how could God possibly send me to hell? There's got to be a purgatory where I can somehow buy buy my soul back. It's too late, bud. You had your shot. It was given out to you. You had your chance. That is and a that, lie. That sounds rough, but you also have to think about what's being forgiven with that one shot. Yeah. It's a fair but deal, in my that's opinion. A, that's a good point, Simeon. And at the same time, even with that doctrinal error, a lot of um, the bend is going to be showing that, oh, um, Jesus is too austere. We're going to have to have his mother intercede for you. Oh, so yeah. If you're going to have... Um, if you're going to have mercy and if God's going to save you, you're going to have to be in a situation where the woman of the house, you know, the, the mom <laughs> is going to be the real merciful one. And they can't picture that Jesus as King Jesus would be the lion and the lamb. He'd be gentle and gracious in his role, obedient to the father. He would be mighty and holy and, and, and fearsome when it comes to the judge of the quick and the dead. And it's like, it's a it's a beautiful thing and masculinity is those things it's that that hand of discipline it's that hand of order it's that hand of of creating the boundaries for one's household without being a weak jerk it's so easy as a man to err and to become a weak jerk it's so easy in this this day and time to make the wrong choices or to err in that familiar sin. You said it, Simeon, in anger. It's so easy. That's a man's thing. We get frustrated. We're like, what the blank? And then before you know it, we're, we're just in the flesh. One of the things lately that has really helped me, and it's been very personal, has been I looked at my failure, horrific failure, and I just had to abase myself before God of going, hey, straight up. That's It's a manly thing to look and take failure right on the cheek. You know, just just look at it, man. Yeah. If you blew it, you don't sit there and, you know, um, walk on eggshells around yourself. Look at it. Take it before the Lord like a man and go, God, I absolutely stunk the joint out. I blew it. I, I've offended. I, I did everything wrong. And, man, let me tell you, that is some of the strongest that I've ever encountered, just the presence of the Lord, his his restoration, his joy, his peace, his strength, his his comfort, opening up the word to me. And it's when I sit there and have really stunk the joint out. 
And I'm completely honest of going like, God, I blew it. And I think that's where men get trapped. We think that somehow if we hold a superficial countenance, if we hold a stiffness to our neck and pride walking around like, yeah, I'm the man, instead of going like, oh, dear God, you know, without you one day, adultery take you out. How easy it is, is it for porn or, or, or you can get it on your phone in yeah. two seconds, right? Yeah. yeah. How easy is it for a man's passions to go offside, completely off the rails in five seconds? A millisecond, Dan. A millisecond. A millisecond. If men are going to make it, they have got to, got to, got to be humble and watch out for the sin of anger and unforgiveness. Oh, that's that's 19 podcasts, but yeah, yeah, no, this is a good one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Back to the Gnosticism, because I like just beating it down because it is such a... It, it, it's, it's evil. It's evil. It's keeping people from salvation. It's, it's, it's blocking salvation. One of the things, muscular Christianity, I did a little bit of research, of course. I'm a nerd, okay? I, I'm, I'm a nerd who likes to work out. Glenn, Glenn, everybody pretty much knows that. Oh, right? okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought I was hiding that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> hey, me too. I get it. I, I like. I'm like. I kind of like Dwight Schrute music. <laughs> <laughs> On frog. What was that radio station? Froggy one oh. I, I forget. I, I forget. He had, <laughs> I the, he had the bumper sticker in the in the office there. Um. The muscular Christianity is actually a movement that started during the end of the Victorian era. It, towards towards the later end, yes. Towards the later end, because the church, people were fearing that the church was becoming too weak. And what they were doing is they were encouraging men to get involved in sports, to work out, um, to do those things. And I want to touch upon that in just a minute, but I did not know this, that the YMCA in the United States sprung out of that movement at the end of the Victorian era. No way. Yeah. Now, let's not talk village people YMCA, because every time I hear that, I'm like, oh, no. Uh, yeah. But um, And Simeon, how do you spell YMCA? I'm still trying to figure that. <laughs> no, we're not even going to start. <laughs> not even going to start. And um, a couple, one of the individuals that was very much into the concept of muscular Christianity was Teddy Roosevelt, President Rose, Teddy Roosevelt. Um, he believed, and if you take a look at Teddy Roosevelt's life, when he was growing up, he was a severe asthmatic. Yeah. And the way that he beat his asthma was by lifting weights and per, uh, participating in strenuous activities. Now, I want people to understand that there is balance. Okay. This doesn't mean that if you you know don't have the raging pythons with the veins, okay, the the twelve inch biceps, that you're not spiritual. Okay, that goes into that's that's Greek garbage. Okay, that that's another thing. But I went to the verse. I was like, so how does this all balance out? Because I I thought of that verse um, where Paul talks about that exercise profiteth the body little. All right. And I was like, how does this tie into muscular Christianity? And we've been fed a whole pack of lies on this because people have not read that scripture correctly. And that verse uh, comes out of 1 Timothy chapter 4, and I want to give a little bit of background. If you look at 1 Timothy, that chapter starts out about warning believers about the great apostasy, the great falling away from true doctrine. 
that's where that starts. And if you read what Paul wrote, that exercise profiteth the body little. Okay, most of what I've heard today is, hey, I'm not going to go exercise, brother. Just just pass me another another fried chicken bucket. You know, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna eat, and you know. And unfortunately, in the United States, we are an obese culture over here. Our friend Stacy in Australia nailed it. We are we are a little bit portly over here, but. You take a look at most of your evangelical uh, churches uh, in the United States. That is where the, the the percentage of the population that is overweight in those churches is, is quite large because there is no regard given to the physical. And that's where that Gnosticism comes in is that, well, it's your body. It's going to die anyway. It's your spirit on the inside. That, you know, just just forego the body. When Paul says that it profiteth little, if you take a look in other translations, and I looked at the Darby translation this morning, it means that, yeah, hey, exercise does profit you. Do it. That's what Paul was saying. But it doesn't encompass everything because you have to remember when Paul was ministering to Timothy at this time, it was the Greco-Roman philosophy where the body was everything and they were like oh that is such a beautiful body that is so godly all right that's that's in our culture today again it's that extreme and the body is a closed circuit okay it's a temple that's what that's what god says in the bibles that our body is a temple we need to take care of it and being in shape and being fit helps us minister the gospel simeon your your, your eyes are wide go for it you t- we're touching on so much here it's it's hard to piggyback off everything because my mind's just going just just it's, it's spit surfing. it out just spit it's, it out it's weird because everything because i went to church today with the family while i was down here and everything we're talking about is what i was hearing in church today i was sitting there i was sitting there in the pews and i i, I was listening for once and I, normally you get you know some you know, fried chicken at the potluck after this boys <laughs> <laughs> so I, I i was sitting there and i was like something's going on I'm, I'm here for a reason today because I was actually headed to the gym. Uh, and then I thought about it. I was like, you know, I actually really should go to church today. And that, that was it was interesting to hear that. And going going back to all that, when it comes to taking care of the body and exercise, I think most of the church does forget that. Yeah. And, it, and that falls back into discipline, that it's not a super religious thing to do. But at the same time, the body is a gift of God. And there has to be amount of discipline in how you treat it. Yeah. And, you know, you say that, Simeon, um, when you take a look at the word exercise in the Greek in there, not only does that word particularly pertain to the athletic. And you got to remember, when Paul was making a lot of analogies in his epistles, it was analogies to the athletic, that the spiritual life is very much like running a race, an Olympic race, as a matter of fact. But it also refers to the ascetic. And what I mean by the ascetic is that there have always been, and there were at the time that Paul wrote this, people that thought, well, I am going to attain godliness by whipping myself, by denying myself marriage, by denying myself certain foods, by denying myself certain things, Gnosticism. Oh, I am going to be holy, all that new law that Dan talks about sometimes, uh, I'm going to be holy by denying myself these things. And that's that exercise, trying to discipline yourself now there is a place for fasting we'll talk about that at at, at a later time okay and that does help with the discipline part of it but paul was also speaking against saying that okay you are not going to attain righteousness or godliness simply by denying yourself things in this life right because it's it's by grace are you saved not through works exactly 
so much ties into that. Exactly. And Simeon, a couple of things that we talked about the other day, just yesterday, as a matter of fact, and that we've talked about over the phone, um, going to church these days, how do you, what, what's your, what's your take on that for for yourself, where you are personally, how do you approach that? It's, it's struggling for myself as a young man looking for a challenge in an environment where challenges are constantly presented to oneself and my mind's active and my body's racing and I'm used to a constant adrenaline high of, well, okay, what's this? What's next? What can we do? What can we get done today? How is this going to, how is this goal going to be accomplished? How, how is this going to be done? And you go into a church and it doesn't look like a spiritual war zone. It looks like a holding cell, a nice padded place where you don't feel like you want to do anything and it's okay to just sit back and be quiet. And it's, I think a lot of reasons that young men in particular don't go to church is because they don't find a challenge as the, as Saul, no, my bad Solomon wrote and the song of Solomon's the, the joy of a man's life is to work and then to behold that work in all of its glory and wow. to render that under God. Yeah. And you go into the church and there's there's nothing for you to do. What can you do? And there's there's no challenge there. There's no challenge presented. You sit there with your hands folded there with the pamphlet you got when you walked in and you're waiting to get the nice free lunch afterwards while an older man talks to you and you probably nod off because it's real, you know, it's real early in the morning, probably stayed up late on Saturday. And there's nothing really there to move you. And there's nobody there who looks like they could lead you to any sort of excitement or to do anything that would have any real lasting impact on your life. I mean, you're, you're at church for what, maybe what, two hours, show up a little bit early, sit down for an hour, and then you leave the same routine every Sunday. And then the songs bore you too. Not that, not that worship is bad, but going back to it, it all has this complaining, whiny, woe is me feel that doesn't make sense for people that are born into a kingdom that is being led to victory, why would you always come before God crying? Yeah. Why? That's powerful. That, that, that's that really powerful. powerful. See, I was getting ready to say that very thing as far as um, men especially need a burden. They need a weight. You you took the, the stole my thunder, Simeon, exactly. Now, I was reading a verse, I believe it was in Matthew, maybe chapter 11, verse 29. I'm not sure, but it was last week. And it was talking about where Jesus mentions that um, his, he said, I am meek and lowly of heart. And then he mentions, and sorry for the paraphrase, I wouldn't plan on bringing this up. And then he mentions that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And then he's talking about finding rest by taking up a yoke, by taking up a burden. So he, he's saying, um, you know, it's easy, it's light, it's this, but he was basically saying, you're going around worshiping the lust of your flesh you're going like is somebody write me a treatise on how pornography satisfies the depth of their soul right it doesn't it doesn't it keeps coming back for more right it's uh, how lust of the flesh how money how um some fornicated one night stand whatever all those things hollywood and the movies oh it's the greatest thing ever it's not and we all know that it's not and we all know that it's empty and that it doesn't answer the 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 longing that's in us Glenn, like I was telling you, we walk around like that little bird from that children's storybook. Are you my mommy? Are yeah. you my mommy? Yeah. It goes and talks to like a bulldozer. <laughs> yeah. you know. It goes and talks to a, a, a duck or a, a, a dog. 
are you my mommy? We do that. Are, are you my God? Am I going to worship you? And we try to do everything. And the last thing we would ever think is that it would be the most satisfying thing in the world to worship and serve like a bond slave, our creator. So we find rest through a yoke. And when young men aren't challenged to sit there and go like, no, you want you want to do something big? You want to stand up and do this? When you actually go and say, I believe, I believe in this, and there's iron that comes into your soul. You have people mock you. I remember in college, I started to be really excited about being evangelistic. And I started doing it, and I got a lot of mockery, and I got a lot of weird looks, and I got mockery, and I got people cursing me and making fun of me and doing this. And I was just being loving. I wouldn't be in a weirdo at that time, Glenn. Uh, not too bad, anyway. Mm-hmm. And then people would mock and mock and mock. But something happened to me. And I began to feel just a budding of masculinity. And when you are talking about sports, sorry for the ADD, but sports, you know what sports do? They give a young man the opportunity to fail yes. over and over and over and get up. And you don't rise up and go shoot everybody like a, a weenie. So people that play sports, people that work out, people that get it, it's more than just the physical. There's that attribute, like you said, of discipline, but there's also young men need to know how to fail because you're going to fail. You're going to cut somebody's ear off when God wanted you to do something different. You know, right. you're going to try to, you're going to sit there and you should have spoke to the rock and you're going you're gonna to whack it with a staff. You're going to do some stupid things and you got to be able to go, oh God. And he, you know what's great though? He's merciful and so restrained. He is masculinity. He is the father. I mean, it's the source. So that whole thing about strength and restraint, you can go and comfort a child. You could love and honor a lady or a woman or a a wife or a, a, a daughter. You could treat respectfully and like a gentleman. And then you can rise up to the forces of hell, false doctrine. You could look an apostate preacher right in the eyes and go, sir, you, you know, I, I warn you of the wrath to come if God would lead you to do so. So it's a it's a beautiful thing, and we could do a series of these guys. Oh, really we could. Cool. We definitely, we definitely could, because there's so much there. There's so much that's been distorted, so much that's been perverted about what masculinity is. And by no means are Dan, Simi, and I experts on this. We're just sharing with you what the Lord's been revealing to us as we've put aside things in our own lives that were hindering us from pursuing the presence of the Lord. Uh, a lot of things that we had to put aside in, in doing this, and this is what we've been learning just in our daily walk with the Lord. You know, one of the other things is I really think that this setup we have here is kind of how the early church probably would have went. And that's one of the biggest fails of the church today is it's one person sharing their only their insights and that's that's all that you get what there needs to be room for discussions like this to be able to dive deeper to challenge that which is already standing to to move forward or to make any progress in one's faith yeah yeah i think you're absolutely right because if you take a look at the way things were written for the early church they had to have order okay like we've got order here we're taking turns and in speaking and everything like that but one of the things that really excites me, Simeon, about you being here in the studio, and I want um, Christian parents to hear this, is that what you're sharing with us and what you're experiencing is your experience with the Lord, not mine. 
Yeah, because we didn't talk about this too much beforehand. I, I contacted you a couple weeks ago, and it, it was an oh, dude moment. Yeah, I was thinking about that, too. It, it, it converged, all right? And I am not living my spiritual experience vicariously through my son and be like, okay, well, yeah, you you, you got to talk about this. But what, the, what has happened is you're a grown man. You're out doing man things, all right? There are a lot of Christian, a lot of believers who are afraid to let their children go into the world, to let their children go out and experience things, but that's how they are going to have revelation of the Lord. It's manly for a man to let his son go and do what he needs to do, understanding that, yeah, along the way, they are going to mess up because guess what, dad? You messed up too, okay? And it's really cool because I can't sit here and take credit for what's stirring in Simeon because Simeon has watched me blow it for how many, how old are you now? 18? 19. 19. Okay. You, you've watched me blow it for many years. You were in the cult when we were there with Dan. Okay. You experienced all that stuff when I was doing ridiculous things that I thought were spiritual, but were really just being a weirdo. All right. And this is his experience. And that's how the Lord wants us to walk with him. And I think what you're getting at, Simeon, is the pastor is really to help stir those things in the people to go out and experience the Lord for themselves. Right. As somebody who is called out by God to be a shepherd, you got to do the grazing yourself. We can't have this system anymore where the pastor's hand feeding you. That, that I think that's what we've gotten to if we want to put it in the the sheepfold comparison where the the pastor's practically forcing the the grass down your throat you can't do that that's not his job if you if you look at it they had small little pins and his job was to stay at the gate and make sure that the pasture was good and the grass was rich and that there was water nearby and that the wolves stayed out and it takes a man to keep the wolves out it does and that's why in first timothy wow wow Simeon, something that you brought up <clears throat> yesterday when we were talking, and I want to hit a, hit upon this a little bit. It has to do with uh, the religion. Oh, oh, wow, I'm getting excited. Uh, the religion of Christianity uh, with a tattoo artist that you had the opportunity to meet uh, at one of your uh, training centers uh, outside the area uh, who was a former Satan Satanist. Yeah. And he said something that was very enlightening about the religion of Christianity. I'm not talking about the walk with the Lord. I'm talking about the packaged religion that everybody is kind of sick of these days. Can you, can you share that a little bit? Yeah. So I finally got to a training center where, you know, you're allowed to go get them. And I went out to town and I, I had this idea that I, I wanted this for months. And I, I go into the guy's studio and I see a bunch of satanic paraphernalia on the wall. And I recognize it because, you know, I listen to metal. I've, I've seen some of the album art. No big deal. And we kind of just started talking about religion. I was in that chair for three hours, and that was probably one of the most down-to-earth conversations I've ever had with a guy. And he was telling me, yeah, I used to I used to lead the satanic church. I was a big leader in that. But I got out of it because God kept knocking me back down on my feet. And I'm paraphrasing here. This isn't the exact conversation or his words. But he he says, I don't go to church because being both in the satanic church and the Christian church, I find the religion to be the same. Can you explain that a little bit more? It's the same process. It's the same beliefs and one's own self-righteousness to an extent is what I think he was getting at. Was that it's it's the same people 
trying to find their way through their own self-righteousness based on a crutch, which is a shadow of what the real pillar of faith is. Wow. 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 Kind of a sad testimony on the state of the church. <laughs> it is. Well, are, Dan, are we surprised? No, 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 I, no. I, I'm not. I'm not surprised in the least bit. I'm, I'm not. Surprised but you know what? It's exciting, Glenn, dovetailing that information with what you said, because I have been, as far as being a man or whatever, I've been a brilliant failure. <laughs> yeah. And so, no, I'm not agreeing with you, but I've been the same. I've been the same way. You know. Yeah, and but what's wonderful is. That same thing that we were talking about in sports or talking about in this, when you have a God like ours, all he's waiting is for you to humble yourself. And when you humble yourself, he'll empower you to live different. He'll empower you to, like, smack the living daylights out of a a porn website, never go back there. He'll give you victory. He'll give you victory in everything, to be able to hold your tongue when you shouldn't just get really ticked off and you want to take somebody's head off. It's different being a man. Yeah. And it's not wrong to be passionate. It's not. And, and when we make mistakes, there's so much grace because you know what? It's going to be our fault for all of it. Uh huh. For the way the church is, the leaders in the church, the men that are there, and they're going to sit there, shrug their shoulders, and think that, oh, well, my wife and this. Nope, nope. If you didn't have the guts to be like, no, honey, I'm not afraid of your countenance. I love you, but um, we're going to worship Christ. That's not sound doctrine. I know you like whatever seeker sensitivity, war to faith, whatever type of noxious doctrine. Um, you can sit there and go, no, no, yeah. no, it's not the truth of the word of God. And, and I'll, yeah, I'll just put my foot down. And no, it's good. Well, look, look at it this way, Dan and Simeon. Let's go back to Genesis. It's kind of funny how we always go back to Genesis. All right. Um, the Garden of Eden, the forbidden fruit. The fall oh, of man. Uh, <laughs> I can feel it coming in the air. I'm dying. That was pretty good, wasn't it? I got. I got to work. Do my air drum here. Um, the fall of man. It's Adam's. It's Adam's sin. But it was Eve that partook of the fruit. All right. She. She was the one that that was beguiled by the serpent to do it. But it's really Adam's fault because he wasn't doing what he was not standing at the gate protecting his wife. Yeah. It's his fault. It's, it's, it's his fault. And when God showed up in the garden, what did Adam say? He's like, this woman that you gave me, Lord, she uh, it's, it's all her fault. Okay. That is not being a man. All right, dude. Yeah. It's on you. All right. That's it. Period. It's on you. So it's the same old thing. We talk about it all the time. We always go back to Genesis and we, and we say, there is nothing new under the sun. It's the same old thing. And are we saying that everything has to be masculine? No, there is a balance. All right. There is a balance in the Lord. There's a balance in the spirit. And Dan, we talked about Eve a couple weeks ago. Uh, being the perfect the perfect helpmeet for Adam and how it rose up in him is like yes this is this is it this is what God created for me. When you take a look at the word help helper, all right for Eve, the, it's the same word for the Holy Spirit Paraclete. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. So, so there is a balance, and you know for the for the. Uh, 
balance for the feminine. Dan and I are really not qualified to talk about that. So we're working on, on setting up a special show with somebody who we believe is more qualified to talk about that than us. We're just talking about from our own experience and actually probably more from our own failures <laughs> than anything else. And it is so awesome to see that the generation after us, Dan, Simeon's generation, that there are those that are getting it. They are seeing yeah. it. They're seeing what they need to be doing. And Simeon, hats off to you. I mean, you, you're patriotic. You, you want to fight for your country. You want to lay down your life for other people that you don't even know. People that don't even like you. All right. That's manly. You've got a mission. And all at the same time that you're doing this, you're pursuing the Lord and the Lord is blessing you. And I want this to be an encouragement to our listeners. Maybe we've got some listeners who have have young people that are going into the military or, or that are in the military or going out into the world to do to do what God's put in them. Simeon, did I ever tell you that, hey, if you're going to be my son, you got to go into the military? Did I ever say that? You had the most supportive embrace of whatever I was doing at the time. Even if I was going down the wrong path, it wasn't a stern slap. It was a loving guide. It was it was that side that we're talking about where you could have blown up on me. You you could have gone wild and I, I would have understood it, but it was more of a supportive guide. It's like, hey, if that's what you want to do and that's the path you want to go in life, this is how you do it. This is how you go about it. I remember you telling me that too, is you can choose whatever way you want to go and I'll still be supportive of you. So me joining the military, me finding all these things out, that, that's on me. These have been my own personal choices. I haven't been, there was no forcing into this. There was no the, the right or uh, you, my way or the highway type deal. I'm, I'm just being me, man. Yeah, I didn't even realize I was doing that. Um, that was just what I felt led to do. For our listeners, I do have to tell a quick Simeon story, oh, okay? Boy. Military has always been in this boy's blood. I remember your fourth grade parent-teacher conference when I went in, all right? And it was your history teacher. And they said, well, we've been having a little bit of a problem with Simeon on the playground. And I'm like, oh, what is this? Is he beating kids up or whatever? And he's like, no, he's making kids get up on top of the monkey bars, jump off and scream airborne as they're jumping <laughs> off the monkey bars. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's my boy. Um, <laughs> but really, parents, okay, don't control your children. And what Simeon said to me just a second ago we didn't we didn't plan that that's the way that i've just always felt in that situation with with child rearing and some people would be like oh that's that's a little too hands off man you know send them to a christian college where you know boys walk on one side of the street and girls walk on the side. Okay. no no <laughs> no okay here's the thing is that train up a child in the way that they'll go and they will go that way and god's grace is so huge his mercy is so huge. This is the thing is that what's in you, what's in your children's heart to do, it's what God put in there more than likely. Guide them in doing it. And if they make a wrong decision, God's not sitting up there waiting to zap them. It's, it's, that's not the way that it works. Um, but wow. There's so much grace and mercy, you know, and it's so much they, they'll learn. There's so much coming against them. Think about right now the, a lot of these feminists that are rising up and talking about what they refer to as toxic mas masculinity. And some of the things they're talking about 
are accurate. You know, the Harvey Weinsteins, the yes. people that are just, hey, but I don't think those girls are getting on the casting couch without knowing something about the way Hollywood has worked in the right. past. Right. So it's a little bit off. But when I think about that, it's like, no, there needs to be that redefinition of masculinity. And it's a beautiful thing that as men, young men step out, start families, careers, and they make mistakes or they do that, God is right there to give them the grace that they need to get back up and do it, but not in their own strength. That sounds so religious, Glenn, doesn't it? It does. It I don't does. know how to say that different. Let's say what I'm saying is that there's direct effort. Oh, no, I need to work on controlling my anger when my wife or my kids or something doesn't go my way. And I'm like, no, this is unsat, you know, and you want to go all drill sergeant on something right. and get it done. Um, what I'm talking about is that your relationship with Christ can make it so that you're empowered that you don't have to sit there and do some religious consternation to try to stop your anger. God's holiness starts to flow out of you, and it turns that passion. Yeah. And he does it by the power of the Holy Spirit. When you feel that, that's wonderful. It's not some passivity where, oh, I obey God because his spirit does it all. It's not like that. You want to do it, but there's grace to be able to do it. And then all of a sudden you start understanding how um, martyrs like Tertullian, when they threatened him with the fire, he said, really? He looked right at him boldly, a man, okay? A man going, you would actually threaten me with maybe 10 minutes of burning in the flame when you stand in danger of, you know, millions of, of years endless yeah. in that same flame? You, you would try to threaten that, bring it on. And they said, well, we're going to feed you to the wild animals. And he, then he commented on the line. That's a man right there. Yep. I'm sorry. And that was a man that humbled himself. That wasn't a strength of him flexing. Yeah. Why didn't he just bow to the emperor, right? And you could survive. But he looked at the guy and he told him straight up what came out of his heart from God of going like, no, I'll not deny Christ. And, you know, you want to feed me to a lion and I will be in the presence of him. You know, it's that's that's manliness. And we need we need more men like that. And there's grace enough to take of all the failure. Glenn and I, I know it's not our heart because it's not our heart to sit there and be um, downcast about the condition of the church. It's not our uh, just to be down and, oh, it's so horrible. What are we going to do? No, there is sufficient grace yes. out of the ashes. Young men like Simeon and others rise up. They build godly families. They're bold. They'll be like, no, I'll not recant. Uh, and they'll have pure doctrine because, you know what? I'm glad I've recanted of some stuff. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you, Glenn. Oh, big there time, was, man. <laughs> there was some stuff that had to go. But when you get to a point of God matures and protects you and moves you into certain doctrinal areas, and you're like, no, no, the real gospel, I'm not going to recant. The real admission of who I truly am before God, whether that's good, bad, or ugly, or all three, there is such grace yes, there. Such there grace to blow it and be restored. I, you, yes or no? Yeah, that, that bears such Abs Absolutely. Absolutely. It really does. So, Simeon, thank you, man. You really uh, enlarged my heart as far as everything you talked about was like, oh, oh, oh. You kind of did what your dad normally does to me. So <laughs> it's got to be. It's got to be that seat, Dan. It's got to be the. That's the Arnold Horshack 
chair. <laughs> oh, 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 Mr. Cocktail. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Simeon, before we close out, do you have anything else that you want to share with our listeners? I, I think that pretty much covers it to, for today. There's a there's a lot more places we can go with all of that. My mind was racing to a million different areas, but I think that's a good place to start. And like you guys were saying, it's nothing against the females, but and this is just this is just us just walking every yeah. day. Yep. with what we what we're understanding and what we're learning yep there, there's a balance and dan what you were saying about harvey weinstein all right i don't consider him to be masculine at all uh, with no, what he did all. that is that is so fake and and here's what we do as human beings all right we take something that's beautiful we take something that's feminine and then we run to the opposite extreme with it we do the same with the masculine we turn it into this hideous ugly thing without the spirit of god we can never realize the beauty of both and the balance of both. That's where the problem is. The problem is we don't need more activism. We don't need that is we need the spirit of God upon men and women. And here's where it gets exciting because in the book of Joel, okay, and even in the book of Acts, it says there's coming a time where God's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh, okay? And daughters will prophesy. Uh, young men will see visions and the old men, hey, Dan, we're going to dream dreams, I think is is what it says in there. But, oh, man. Oh. <laughs> I'm an old man. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, I, I didn't want to face up to the fact that I'm in that slot. But that's okay. <laughs> yeah, we got we to power down because it's time for Matlock and Jeopardy. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my Metamucil, I need to go and get that. <laughs> One last thing that I want to leave our listeners with is that, guys, let's grow up. Let's be men. Women, help your men be men. Be a paraclete. And we'll have more on that later because I am not really qualified at all to talk about that in the least bit. So I'm not even going to go down that road. Glenn, um, I am. Oh, and I'd okay. like to start out. <laughs> what women need to do is... <laughs> Just joking. Just joking. But something that Deb said to me, and it was a confirmation of what we were doing this morning, is she saw a guy um, that had a t-shirt on. And this guy is a warrior type. And it said, Lord, teach my hands to hands and fingers to war from, from the Psalms. And she's like, you know what? She's like, I'd never thought of that as one of the Psalms. I never, that never occurred to me. And she's like, it's probably because we were always taught about the peaceful God who never wars. And I was like, bingo, exactly. And I, I, I didn't go any further because I knew we'd be getting into this uh, later today. Um, but really, God, for our men, and that's, let's pray right now in Jesus' name. Pray for the men that are listening to this podcast. Teach their hands and their fingers to war as they would. Lord God, being by being real men, standing up, Father God, doing, listening, and being submissive to your spirit, caring for their families, caring for their wives, caring for the children, caring for the orphans, caring for the poor, Lord God, in the way that you've designed it. Lord God, being keepers of the gate, keeping the wolves out, keeping the false doctrine out so that souls can be saved. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you raise up a generation of door kickers that are going to kick in the doors of hell and rescue souls from hell, Lord God. That's what this is all about. That's what this Get Real podcast is about, Lord. And we just pray that you take this and bless Simeon, Lord God, and his generation as they move forward to do war. Lord, I pray that many hearts are stirred and many would rise up and be like, no, we've been lied to. I pray that the lie would be exposed as to who Jesus is. It's so distorted, it's so perverted that men and women would see the true Jesus, especially the men, and they'd rise up as their Lord and Savior did. In Jesus' name we pray, 
Amen. 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 That's good stuff. Amen. Good stuff. Hey, if anybody has any questions for Simeon, um, shoot us an email at lithoscry at gmail.com. That's L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out our uh, website at lithoscry.com. Simeon, this is a huge blessing. When we started the Get Real podcast back, Get Real radio show back in 2001, you were two. Yeah. (laughs) You were too. So what a blessing it is. Simeon, blessings on you. Thank you so much. Dan, can't wait to have you back in the studio, man. But uh, this chair, uh, I think think I'm going to... Get out of my chair. (laughs) Get out of my chair. Blessings on you, Dan. Thanks for joining us remotely. Appreciate it. Bless you, bye.